Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. It's a new year on the podcast, and I'd like to introduce you to some changes that we're making to the show. We're excited to introduce our partnership program. This will allow us to showcase more of the leaders, innovators, and organizations who are at the forefront of the economic transformation happening in our city and our province. Take a few minutes and be curious. Visit their websites, check them out on social media, and most importantly, get involved where you can. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clear Motive Marketing. Full transparency, folks. I am one of the co-founders of Clear Motive Marketing. I have had the privilege and the amazing opportunity to be involved with my current business partner, Chad Kroger, since 2010. And it has been a fantastic ride and just an amazing, amazing journey. But I'm coming here today not as a co-founder, but as a client. Over a year ago, I brought the idea of the podcast to the team, presented the challenges, presented the opportunity, presented why I was excited about it, and they worked with me to create a plan. We built a strategy, we built the brand, we built the website, and they helped me execute, and they helped me execute day in and day out as we are constantly going live with with new, new episodes. They also were a huge help in building the audience, which can be the most challenging things, whether you're a company, with a product or a service, or just a new idea that you need to get out there. So we've grown organically from over 200 downloads last December to over 2,000 this December, which is an all-time record for the show, something we're really proud of, and I couldn't have done it without the ClearMotive team backing me at every step of the way. They specialize in helping brands that operate in fast-paced, highly competitive industries, which, let's be honest, is, is everyone these days, to deliver more consistently and more effectively day in and day out, something that we all know can be an incredible challenge in marketing with the pace of the always-on mindset. With offices and teams in both Calgary and Toronto, they work to make clients better marketers. So if you need a new website, a new brand, or simply a new efficient way to produce and deliver and get your get your creative and market, and get connected with your customers, give us a call and let's have a good old-fashioned chat. Check out our work and our case studies at www.clearmotive.ca. Uh, hey, alarm collisions, YYC. Welcome to uh, my good friend and returning guest of the show, Mr. Iggy Domagowski. How are you, Iggy? I am doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, man. Always, always enjoy our chats. And you guys, you know, had some really cool news lately. And I, hey, I'm always, I'm always looking for reasons to get on people on the show that I that I selfishly love to chat with, and my audience loves to hear from. So I'm going to start off with congratulations. You guys have just announced uh, a significant merger or a change in kind of your path to business. So I'm going to let you kind of t- you'll tell the story better than me. So I'll turn it over and let's let the audience, if they haven't heard, what you guys have been up to in the past little bit at Tundra. Mm. Sure. Thank, yeah. Thanks for that, Tyler. Uh, so our, our most recent news is that uh, our company, Tundra Process Solutions, was acquired by Wayjax. Uh, and Wayjax is one of Canada's oldest companies, been around since the mid-1800s, which is crazy to say. But, uh, yeah, it blows my mind. Actually. Yeah, it blows my mind, too. They're over 160 years old. Uh, and they're a they're Canadian-only company. They have 114 branches across Canada, about 2,700 people, and uh, Pretty similar business to to what we're in, which is the service and uh, and sales of industrial process equipment and parts. Uh, so it was a it was a it was a great fit, and it was quite the journey to get to the final announcement. <laughs> I can only imagine as an outsider, you, you tend to see it once it's fully baked and it's a well you know put together document that's very clear. Just for the sake of you know uh, parrying into a window of the world of mergers and acquisitions, was this a six-month process, a year pro? We won't get into the details, but how long did that take for you guys to come to the conclusion and then you know ultimately that announcement? Uh, the, the work started in the summertime, and so now it's February. So it was, it was at least six months of, of hard work, and the hard work amped up over time. Uh, so I, actually, initially, 
it was uh, an old friend from university uh, who I knew, uh, who was um, the VP of corporate development at Wajax, and he he called me up uh, over a year ago and asked if I was, you know, if if, if we might be interested in talking. And, and at the time, we weren't really, and but I said let's let's keep in touch, and uh, and we did. And then and then in the summertime, uh, Wajax uh, sent out another ping and knocked on our door. And, and then we started the conversation a little bit more seriously. Uh, the, the reason for the transaction was our majority shareholder and chairman, he was, he was wanting to move into retirement. He's got interests in a few different businesses. This was his largest one. Uh, he's, in his, uh, he's in his 60s and he's got some wonderful little grandkids and, um, and he's got some other plans and things that he wants to do philanthropically. Uh, so he was, I think he was ready to, 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 to move on from Tundra. And, and that meant selling his position. And uh, so the, the timing was just really good. And, okay. uh, and, and we got into some, some discussions on, on value and terms. And, and, and one of the most important pieces is how the companies fit together and making sure that it was a, a positive transaction, both for the shareholders and the acquirer, but really importantly for the employees in the company. Mm-hmm. And that this wasn't one of those deals where uh, they come in and lay off a bunch of people and change everything and ruin the culture uh, that we had spent so much time and effort building. And uh, and, and as it turns out, it's a, it you know it checked off all the good boxes and none of the bad boxes. So it's we're we're really thrilled with how it ended up. It's it's interesting to hear that. And I think it's I think it's you know part of our conversation today is to unpack that a little bit. There's a lot of different. There's a million. Again, we can't even start to unpack the amount of reasons we're going to get for a merger and acquisition. I appreciate the transparency around. You know, we had a major shareholder that was looking for an exit, which means someone else needs to come in to take that position. So there was that as a driver. But hey, we all, you know, many of majority of my audience is from Calgary or Western Canada, and we all have seen the news headlines of the Synovus, you know, Husky merger, you know, where seventeen hundred two thousand people. People are going to lose their jobs. You know, from your perspective, what are you seeing? Oh, first of all, let's set the tone. What percentage of your um, business is tied to the energy sector uh, as a percentage, just loosely? Uh, we're about 75 to 80% tied. To- okay. So, you know, I'm not going to say all in, but a, but a pretty, like there's many eggs and there's only a couple eggs in other, in other baskets. Mm-hmm. And so for you guys, this sounds like it was opportunistic on many fronts. And I say that in opportunistic in a positive way to merge with a longstanding Canadian company. This wasn't, what was it or wasn't it for you? Uh, uh, we needed to consolidate because of the downward pressure we felt in the oil and gas. And we'll like compared to maybe a Synovus and Husky, which obviously I don't know all the nuances, but it's clear that was a pressure prompted sale where yours sounds like it was more on the opportunity side. I, yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. This was... One of those, I, I think, rare cases where you put two companies together and and the sum is actually greater than the parts. I think this is one plus one equals three, or maybe even more than three. Uh, Tundra's growth strategy was not rocket science. It worked well, but it was simple, and it was continue to add exceptional product lines to our portfolio, so our salespeople have more things to sell to our existing customers and also to expand our geographic footprint. So to, to open up offices in, uh, in other communities where we get closer to our customer so that those local decision makers choose to buy from Tundra because we're local. And, and, uh, and anyone that's in, in oil and gas or really any industry, you know that local matters, right? Like you, you buy from the people 
who you coach hockey with and who you spend time with. Those are those are real things and those are important things. And so we wanted to move closer into those communities. Uh, so we were doing that. Uh, we had we opened up an office in Grand Prairie a few years ago, and now we have ten people up there, and that's going really well. And put a person in Fort St. John and a couple people in Vancouver, and and we had plans to do more. We wanted to open up bricks and mortar. Um, an office in Vancouver, we wanted to go into Prince George, we wanted to open up a shop in Fort McMurray, in Regina, Saskatoon, Weyburn, Lloyd. So we wanted to open up in all those places uh, and we were planning on doing about one a year for the next 10 years and that was mm-hmm. that was the growth plan. Um, but Wajax has offices in all of those places. So, so that was so our, so our growth plan really got shortened to you know a few months rather than rather than a decade. Uh, and that and that was the you know the big exceptional growth piece. Uh, Wajax has those 116 offices. They have 30 in Alberta alone. And and we can just piggyback on all of those. And now we're able to be local immediately and have that product portfolio that we have added onto Wajax's product portfolio. And they're, they have a, an exceptional product portfolio as well. Uh, and now our sales team gets to sell that as well. So it's just, uh, it, it'll allow us to get closer to all our customers. It allows us to do more business with those existing customers, plus do business with Wajax's customers. And they're they're just a much larger company than we are. I mean, Tundra on its own is 150 people. Wajax is, uh, you know, 2,700. So they're almost 20 times bigger. Uh, and it, in kind of every way, you know, they have 20 times more customers and 20 times more locations and all those things. Uh, so that's, so it worked, that worked really, really well. And so we're only into this thing, not very long, the transaction closed on January 22nd. So we're a week and a half in and already all our teams are working together to find those, um, additional opportunities, which are all. They're they're the they're the positive fun opportunities, right? Like going and getting more business from your customers. Those are positive and fun, as opposed to where can we cut people? We're not we're not doing those kind no, of completely. Problems. And you know, you guys are you know knowing a little bit of your story back from '99. You you guys started off with a, a small piece of that industrial process equipment wallet, if you will, and just grew it and grew it and grew it. For you know, we're there. We know what you need. We provide good value. You just you just 10x that. You know, not to overuse an easy 10x <laughs> that gets thrown around pretty loosely. But you probably 20x it. Based on you said like twenty times the customers, twenty times you know everything from that perspective. Your viewpoint, obviously, you're based in Calgary and spend a lot of time in the in the oil and gas sector. Uh, you know, a year ago, I had guests on the show. They're like, "Oh, we're going to see consolidation. We're going to see mergers. We're going to see companies coming together because they have no choice from a cost savings perspective, even from a lending and access to capital." Kind of what's your what's your views on what's been happening there? And maybe from a perspective, I I really enjoy like how positive your decision was and why you guys came together. But also, you and I both live in a town where there's a lot of things coming together that have negative impacts. Let's just you know the 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 human capital of job of job loss. Curious, what's your views of you know what we've seen over the last year in that sector, and kind of what do you see again? A little crystal ball on the road ahead for the energy sector and the mergers and acquisitions story. Those are those are some big questions. <laughs> well, it is early in the morning. I, I tried to get you in here fresh. Yeah, but they're uh, but they're they're important, and you know, it's I really I feel for the people at the companies that are going through the you know the, the tough consolidations. Uh, the the Sonova's Husky merger is is a, a, a really great example of that. I I you know my heart goes out to those two thousand people that are going to lose their jobs. The, those jobs they'll have a hard time finding equal jobs that pay that kind of money or any job at all. 
Um, and and I and I feel for the for the executives that have to make those decisions, and I feel for everyone that, that that's got to go through that because it's terrible. Um, but but to some extent, for right now, it has to happen. I mean, if there's there's just less projects going on, and there's less big facilities being built by these companies, and less money being spent in general. And in an oil company, most of the most of the people are money spenders, right? Like they're they're project engineers, they're project managers. Like these these are the people that that spend money to build exceptional facilities. And when you're not building those, you just don't need those, and you especially don't need two teams, for, as an example, in Husky and Sonovas or any other any other. Consolidation. I appreciate your filter on money spenders because that's their role. We're here to drive things forward and innovate and build and build new build build things, which takes funds, and we're spending money versus earning it. We're spending to earn it. That's I just I love how you simplify. Yeah, that. and 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 there. I mean, those are those are our customers, and they're you know they're some of the smartest people that we know and the best engineers and project people that we know. But it, if you're not building stuff, you just don't need those people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, yeah. and that and that and that's the really unfortunate part. So. It, there's probably more to come, um, but but eventually, I think you know, a couple of years down the road, those people will start getting hired back as 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 oil and gas companies start to build more things, and and that might not even be as far in the future as we think. Uh, I'm may, maybe it's because I'm an eternal optimist, but I I've I've told our people, you know, I'm this is the my most optimistic time ever in my career about what i think is going to happen in alberta i i really think we've hit rock bottom and so 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 i, th- I think there it has been a tough six almost seven years mid 2014 that's when things started to go downhill and people really started to feel it in 2015 and you know we had kind of a couple almost fake recoveries that just yeah. felt like a recovery because we weren't getting beaten as badly as before and just because you're not getting punched doesn't mean the fight's over <laughs> exactly we're, just, we're, we're getting punched less unfortunately yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm laughing and kind of cringing at the same time right and, and so it's been a it's been a tough many years here but at a at a high level i'm i am i am optimistic i with a biden election in the u.s and i don't want i don't want to get too much into politics but uh but i, I don't think anyone would really argue that Biden will likely even the playing field between Canada and the U.S. Uh, when it comes to oil and gas. Trump Trump was very, very pro-oil and gas, and Biden is clearly not uh, with, with a lot of the executive orders that he's been signing in the, in the past week or so. Yeah, I think I think that was abundantly clear right off the bat. I, I don't think we should have been surprised either. I know we were all a little bit, uh, oh, we su- not wanting something to happen and being surprised that it's happening are two different things in my mind. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think generally at a high level, you know, when when U.S. oil and gas is punished a little bit, that, that generally is good for Canadian oil and gas. The leveling the playing field, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine, a senior counsel over at Suncor, and that's what he said. You know, Even back in the end of the summer, he's like, when he saw that, he says, yeah, you know what? I think it would actually be amazing for Canada because it would even it out. Because right now, he goes, we're completely off balance in terms of what different sets of priorities are. So I've heard a few people say that recently, which, of course, I choose. I like I like that position because it, it's it's much more positive than just complaining about it. <laughs> Yeah, and so so it, it, I think it should be an even playing field, and and it wasn't for the last number of years, mm-hmm. and so an even playing field is, is good for for this country's energy sector, and uh, and and I think just some general high level themes will make 
gas a really good play and alberta has always been a big gas province and we have we have so much gas and i and the bottom fell out of that what 10 years ago now i don't even i remember when it dropped down and it's never really come back but i've yeah no well, it's, enough people it's in the starting industry. to come back right like yeah, gas prices are up fifty percent over ish over the last year, not even the last year, and so I think there's some big, long term trends that you can't get away from that make gas a really good play. You know, so some of them are uh, LNG facilities; those are being built, and that means you need more gas to send away to other countries. That's mm-hmm. it's undeniable; it's happening. Um, things such as electric vehicles. Uh, they require more energy, and the majority of Alberta's and Canada's grid is gas. So, so there's going to be more gas needed to 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 power additional electricity required. The whole power the whole power grid conversation. I've had a few guests. I've chatted about that. That's something I don't know a lot about, but that's a whole world where we're going to see a lot of shifts in the future, just as the demand changes. Absolutely, and uh, even as renewables come online, a lot of those renewables require backup power, which which can come in the form of batteries, and but more more often than not, comes in the form of backup gas generators. Mm-hmm. So those are needed. I think the the whole working from home uh, concept, which is, has obviously. <laughs> Taken, taken the world pretty heavily here over <laughs> over the last that, year. That, that was one of the many left hooks we've gotten, you know. Yeah, and and I don't and I don't think that will change much. Uh, and so I think, pe- and you know, normally people leave their house and turn the heat down, and they uh, and they don't have their computers running at home because they have things running at work. But even even with people working from home, the office at work still needs to be heated, and everything is still on over there. So you're not saving the power uh, in the office, but you are using it in your home. And so, so generally more electricity getting used. The theme of big data, um, data processing requires just a ridiculous amount of energy, which is mostly created by natural gas. And, uh, and Alberta is a, is a good place for big data centers to be, to be hosted just due to, due to cold weather and, and cheap abundant gas. So I, I think you'll see more data moving to Alberta. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't had anyone bring that. That's the first time I've heard that kind of floated that way. For for again, look at the reasons. Oh, that's interesting. So, so I think there, and there's there's a few more, but those are those are the high level things why I think gas will be just a a really good place to park your money and your and your investment over the next decade. And and Alberta is really really well positioned for it. So so I, I think that the next. 2021. That's you know who who knows what's going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen with vaccines and variants of of COVID-19. Uh, but but beyond that, I think it's uh, it's going to be it, it really could be the Roaring Twenties uh, all over again. Like, like after the Spanish flu, and it really could be a rock and roller coaster ride in Alberta and all of Canada. It's interesting. I just read um, Peter Anderson, an economist that I follow, and his I got it, I got his month his weekly his monthly newsletter this morning. And he basically said that like the twenties are going to be that, and the recovery it's going to be multi year. And I just read that before I got on with you, so it set a real it set a real positive tone for our, for our conversation. But he basically referred it very very, very similar. He was talking North American wide. I hadn't got into the section where he speaks about Alberta and kind of what's happening here. But overall, that rising tide of the economy and like I don't know. I think we saw a little window back in September October over when people thought, oh, we're coming out of this, and you saw the economy kind of swell, and then it contracted again. I hope next time we come out of it is a little more sustainable. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very optimistic you know, globally, but you know, and also the need for energy. We're, a boom doesn't mean less energy consumption. And yes, it's coming from different sources. But man, Alberta, we're the most qualified in the energy game. Like, let's be let's be honest about that. 
With, uh, with, with partnering with Wajax, just thinking from a strategic perspective, does that also allow you guys to diversify and balance your portfolio and be less energy uh, reliant just as you, for your business, for Tundra? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, so as mentioned, our business is 75, 80% related to oil and gas and Wajax, uh, the last numbers I saw, I think it was about 14% related to oh, oil and gas okay. and oil sands. So they're, uh, they have a lot of other uh, strongholds like forestry and, and mining, agriculture, all, all sorts of other industries. So, uh, so so with the acquisition of Tundra, you know, they'll have a larger concentration in oil and gas, but it will allow uh, our sales team to move some of the products that we typically sold only to oil and gas to mm-hmm. other industries. So it'll, it's a, It'll be good diversification for Tundra, and Tundra will continue to operate as a wholly owned subsidiary and a separate company within Wajax. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will allow us to work together with them and, um, and and diversify our customers a bit. Are you seeing? So we're going down a going down a different road here a little bit. But have you, are you seeing more industries looking to each other for how they've solved problems? And I've often heard, and I think you and I might even talked about this in one of our past conversations. Too, too much staying in our own lane and not peering over the wall to go, oh, how did mining solve that problem? How did ag solve that problem? I see, you know, oil and gas is very good in this area. Why aren't other are, are other areas of uh, the economy focusing and learning? Are, are we getting better at that as technology becomes a little bit more homogenous, kind of across the board, or is that still you know? an opportunity for industries to learn from each other you know i I, we try to get better at that (laughs) but but i don't know how much success there's actually been i mean there there is a a wonderful if you want to call it innovation and entrepreneurship network within alberta and calgary uh there's got to be close to maybe even more than 200 organizations that 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 do things in the innovation and entrepreneurship ecosystem and within some of those little little bright spots, there is information sharing. But I've just, oil and gas has been a really tough one to share information. There are some great organizations like COSIA, the, the Oil Sands Alliance, uh, that where, where there's a few, custom, uh, a few producers that, that share information. And that's been a really great success story for that. But there's there just hasn't really been that great sharing of information, even within the industry. And so if you think of... Right, even because there's there's the competitor, there's the stay out of my sandbox kind of mindset, right? There, there is. And I mean, think of farmers. The farmers all share information. Like there is a wonderful network of sharing information on how to get the absolute most out of your crop yield. And, and Every day at the coffee shop around three in the afternoon, around 10 yeah, in the morning. <laughs> and, they, and they share that. And, and in the oil and gas industry, most of the companies are public and uh, there there is a fight for capital. And and so if, if you're a better operator than the other guy, you'll win on that fight for capital. So why would you share your information on, on, on how to be a better producer? And, and that's... I think that's made it really challenging for oil companies, even to share amongst themselves. And I mean, if, if you're not even going to share amongst yourselves, what's the chance that you're going to pick up something from mining or some other industry? It's uh, it's it, I, I haven't really seen. I've seen a few success stories, but not too too many. I've heard that from many guests, and I've had a few conversations where we've talked about even some of the 
you know, the environmental story, why are the narrative got taken away from us? And I say us as Albertans, it got pulled out and then someone else told a story about our environmental practices and someone else dictated why we were the bad and, you know, the, the ruiners of the world because so many companies were so busy doing exactly what you talked about, protecting their sandbox, that they did, there was no unified voice to say, no, no, hey, we are all doing these things better. We are all making some very, some, you know, world-leading advancements in environmental and, and, and safety but yet, I think that everyone was in their own little island and nobody got together to tell that story and someone else ran with it, unfortunately, in a negative way. And I'm being a bit philosophical, but I think that diversification and that mine versus yours uh, kept us from kind of creating a un united narrative that would maybe have put us in a better position, you know, from a, just PR, <laughs> you know, public relations. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely truth. I mean, that there was no real alliance around, around the marketing message. To, to the world on on all the great things that that the oil and gas industry does, and, and that's why, um, you know, the more pro environment side, uh, they th those people are phenomenal at uh, at, yes, at, com are. at coming together and having a united message, and and whether it's uh, it's it's Greenpeace or 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 Eco Justice or any of these groups, they while they're all separate, they do tend to share information and share messages and make sure that they're that they're aligned and. You know they've they've done a far better job than the oil and gas industry at, at creating a clear united message. No, we care we care more about where our coffee comes from than when our energy comes from. But <laughs> that's a bit of an overused one. But it's most people will know where their coffee was sourced from and ethically, and that means something. But yet we don't think twice about that. Our energy maybe comes from a part of the world where human rights are not a priority, <laughs> like they are here. Let alone like unless we're and then the environment comes shortly after that. The human side of it. Um, how is your team with it? You know, getting into a little bit of the, you know, as leaders, we look at numbers and spreadsheets and we plan things out. But you've got, like you said, 140, 150 people that there was probably a moment like, whoa, how is this going to affect me? So just from a change management perspective, you know, pivoting a little bit back to the human side, how is that for your, your you know, I know you guys have a great culture. You're known for that. It's something that I hold you guys in really high regard for. You know, how, how did that play into the, oh, shit, what what does this mean for me at my job today at my desk when I heard this announcement? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's always a tough one, right? When you hear that we're being acquired, that's that 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 is probably the scariest. <laughs> all the moment. all the bad movies we've seen show up right away. <laughs> yeah, and I mean there there's a lot of different acquirers out there, yes. and um, you know all of them say the same thing. <laughs> they say, oh, we're not changing anything, and we're keeping everybody. That's what everybody says, and then some of them come in. What else are you going to say at that stage, really? Like, but it's but we tend to be skeptical <laughs> and say, "I know we said we're keeping everybody, but actually, we need you to lay off twenty percent. Figure out who that is." And and or I say, "We know we know we said we're not changing anything, except for all of these things." <laughs> that is the story I've heard time and time again. And so I, I mean, when when we were going through this process with Wayjax, we had conversations about that in our. Our majority shareholder who was exiting the business that was really really important to him um you know that it, it's important to get a fair deal and all that but more importantly for him was that we leave uh this company in really really great hands and that and you know that the people will have an awesome place to work and and that the, all those great things that we had will continue on and that a whole bunch of people won't lose their job uh on day one and so we got a lot of verbal comfort from Wayjax around that. You know, like all acquirers, they said, hey, we're, we're keeping everything the same and we're not getting rid of anyone. Uh, but they had actually done a few acquisitions in, in the prior years. And in in, in, so they did one three years ago, uh, a company in Quebec. 
and they told those folks, hey, we're keeping everybody and we're not changing anything. And that actually was true. They, they didn't. The company still nice. operates separately under their old name, their own website, you know, and they and they, they kept everyone. And they actually, good things happen, right? They, they allowed them to take on more responsibility within the company where, where, where it made sense and allowed some of the managers and team members to spread their wings a little bit more. So, I mean, people can say a lot of things, but it's, it's really your actions that determine what, you know, what, what the truth is. And those... And were you able to reach out and just have chats with those companies? Yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, uh, well, that's, there, that's there, huge. There were points where we were able to do that. And, and so they... The promises that they made to those companies, they kept. So I'm, I'm assuming that the promises that they made to us, that they'll they'll keep as well. And you know, I mean, we're a week and a half in, and maybe they'll change their mind. But I really doubt it. Uh, the, 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 all the all the great conversations that we've had with these people, and we've got to know them really well. Uh, they're you know they're they're on a roll, and they've every every at every chance where there could have been a negative surprise, there wasn't. Right? Like it was the, all the promises were kept. Everything was positive, and just as a as a small little example, you know, order of business number one for Wajax was to host a town hall with all of our employees online. Can't do it in person, obviously. Of course. Uh, to, to, and which was a big welcome and saying, hey, just so here's a couple slides about who Wajax is and what we care about and what we do and why we were really interested in Tundra. Uh, we are, in fact, keeping everyone and not changing anything. And then they sent like a bag of gifts to every employee, like, you know, like a, a bunch of Wayjax brand, like a backpack and water bottle and like all those kind of yep. things and just a, a nice welcome gift. So, you know, that I was talking to some of my teammates about that and you know, saying that that's something that we would have done. And so the cultures match really well. We both really care about safety. We really care about our employees having an awesome place to work. And uh, we really care about having an exceptional customer experience. And if we do all those things, then, you know, then we hope that the numbers will follow, which they usually do. Yeah, uh, and so, so we're, we're aligned on, on, on a lot of things. And uh, in, the, in the short amount of time that we've actually been part of their company, it's, it's all been positive experiences. And is, uh, is the Tundra name staying in, staying in place? Yep, it is. Yeah, so we're we're continuing to operate as a as a separate corporation uh, as as a subsidiary of Wajax, and so it's it's been great. And you know, to go to your initial question of of how do you deal with that change management, Mm -hmm. there there really isn't much change to manage. So uh, really, it's helping people to calm their fears whenever there's potential change. People will always fear the worst, and a lot of people have been through acquisitions that, that have not been pleasant. And so I've had to have lots of one-on-one conversations, conversations with our suppliers too, who are, who are a little bit freaked out. But after, you know, after we got through those conversations, I think the, you know, I've, I've been with Tundra for uh, 13 years here. And I just, I, I think that, you know, the, the goodwill and trust that, that, that I've built up with our people, that I think this was the moment when I kind of got to cash it in and say, hey, you've trusted me this long trust that what I'm telling you is actually true. And obviously the proof will be in the actions, but for now, just relax. Like there's, there, there really aren't too many changes coming. There's been a couple of small changes, which are, you know, for the best, you know, uh, as an example, Wajax has, they, they for sure have better pricing and coverage on liability insurance and things like that. So immediately we switch that over. And like little secret, I hate dealing with insurance. So, <laughs> so don't, don't worry. We're only going to tell the, you know, two, three hundred people that listen to this episode. So uh, the, we were thrilled to be able to, you know, put that, get, get better pricing on it and put it over. Like they have, they have a few people that deal specifically with insurance. How awesome is that? So there's, there's things like that, but, um, 
but generally we're continuing to operate as a as we always have. Well, those economy of scale benefits that you're going to get from having a partner that's one has been around since 1858 and has the size and scope that they do. A lot of the things that as smaller companies, we struggle because it's on the corner of someone's desk. Over there, there's there's somebody who has a desk just for that thing. And that's an amazing shift on what you're allowed. It allows you to prioritize and or to not have to focus on because it's it's quote unquote being dealt with. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, they have a, Wajex has a, a director of taxation. You know, that's that taxes. You know, probably not an area that we really shined in, and yeah. uh, we, we have we have an amazing accounting team, but none of them are experts in tax. And, and now we have that, so just just those little things where we don't have to fumble around trying to figure out how to do tax properly. They have a person that will be able to guide us and help us with that. Well, to your point earlier, how much does that allow you to grow by focusing on what you guys are the best at? Because all those little things that can take time from a leadership team and can cause frustration are now just going to be taken care of. So it allows you guys getting back to what you do best, you know, and the back office stuff that quote unquote needs to be done is going to get, is going to get done. So, you know, that, that alone is a two, three, four, five X, whatever, whatever you put in like those less distractions. And that's why we were, that's why we were so excited about uh, about this acquisition it's some of the things that we're not great at we can give to some folks that are great at it the things that we are great at we'll get to keep doing and 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 there was a really good match too uh you know initially when i first got the call from from my my friend at wayjax i you know i, I thought wayjax that's like that's like the like dump trucks and excavators and forklifts which is that's not what we do i think like, i don't i don't see any kind of fit here but actually, a third of Wayjax's business is this industrial parts and, and repair services business, which is exactly what we do. Uh, and that's the area where they're putting their uh, growth capital. Okay. Uh, so, so well, when I when I dug in a little deeper and I said, okay, well, a third of your, you know, a third of your 2,700 people work on this, uh, that really really makes sense, and it was a perfect match. And uh, I, I got I got introduced to the uh, the competition bureau. Uh, so you know okay. when when you when you oh, hear oh that's inter- oh that's um, I wouldn't even have thought of that actually yeah no well, me neither of us did either uh, so Tundra was Wayjax's uh, largest acquisition ever and uh, there's some thresholds and so we were at the very low end of the competition bureau thresholds uh, and so when you hear on the news that Microsoft is buying whoever and the competition bureau is getting involved uh, to make sure that you don't that they're not creating a monopoly so we were at the very bottom threshold of that and and oh, so we have to go. Yeah, so we have to go through this competition bureau uh, approval, and I mean, I mean, I knew that we weren't creating any kind of monopoly, <laughs> and, and, every, and and uh, the folks at Wayjax knew that we weren't creating any kind of a monopoly, but the competition bureau didn't know that, and so they had to go through uh, the the process of doing that, and it was that that was an interesting one to go through to 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 prove that we that we weren't creating a monopoly. Everything everything we do is an opportunity for learning. So you probably got your mini competition bureau MBA right there. <laughs> probably not something I want to do again, but it was a good learning experience. Probably a lot like a colonoscopy, but anyways, let's not let's not get too detailed. <laughs> um, that took a weird turn. Uh, hey, on, on, a, on a close, you know, I always appreciate you as, as as a leader, as a business person. Any advice or kind of high level thoughts for anyone who's out there thinking about either doing an acquisition or maybe hoping to be acquired, or maybe they're in a conversation? Any kind of quick lessons learned, or kind of you know, top 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 three? And I didn't ask you this in advance, so I didn't I didn't preload this question. Any thoughts or things you'd put out there, just as you know, what you've learned as you've been gone through this, and now you're in the early days, like you said, you're a week and a half in. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was really important for us to understand why we were doing it 
And, and you know, our, our why was, it was it was pretty clear. It was that, that we did have a, a majority shareholder who was leaving and uh, and he wanted to make sure that we found a really, really great place for the company. And then, and then really defining what that, what that meant for us. What, what is a great, what is a great transaction, you know, and, and for some people, a great transaction is getting as much money as you can end game. Right. Um, but, and, but for others, there's, there's a lot of other things that come into consideration as well. Uh, for some, for some, it's about, you know, making sure that, the, that all the risk is completely taken off the transaction and that there's no future risk or for, and for, for others, it's making sure that there's a cultural fit or that their legacy is preserved or whatever it is. Uh, so really getting, getting your head around, if you are going to do a transaction, you know, why you're doing it and making sure that, that you're actually achieving that because it's very easy to get lost in a transaction. You just, you kind of get going and you start doing it and you know, the lawyers are involved and the accountants are involved and it's just kind of a, a grind to get through your list of 500 things that you have to get through to close a transaction. So really making sure that you understand why you're doing it. And, um, and, and that was, that was really the most important thing. And, and, and to make sure that there's, if you, if you have a goal of, 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 good culture and preserving jobs and all that, the, the making sure that the the cultures are aligned and the easiest place to start is, you know, what's the company's mission and vision and core values and seeing if there's some alignment there um, and, and making sure that that's a, that that's a, that it's a match. I really like what you said about like you have a purpose for your company, but you also have a purpose for the deal. Like what is our purpose? What's kind of our North star for this deal? You know, is it cash? Is it risk? Is it, you know, human capital, like what are we actually doing? Uh, I could see where that would get easily lost in the shuffle of deal rooms and, you know, endless paperwork and, you know, chasing competition bureau requests and things like that. Why are we doing this and what's the most important? I, I really like that just as a guiding light for anything in life. But it's where you start and where you end up, sometimes those, those purposes shift because you just get distracted along the, along the journey. Well, and it's, it's, it's easy to forget about, uh, you know, core values or the mission or the vision it's it's once you're once you're in it even 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 any business out there right it's it's easy to forget about those guiding lights and just get lost in the whirlwind of the day-to-day dealing with customers and suppliers and employees and finance and tax and whatever else the the Uh, alligators in your office exactly so you need to step back every now and then and make sure like why why am i actually doing this and where where do i hope to be (laughs) (laughs) where where, where do i want to be when i grow up (laughs) question Iggy, thank you so much always for taking the time to come on the show. And one, just for your, I love your candor and the fact we can just have a good old fashioned chat. As you know, it's my, one of my favorite things to do. And congratulations on the transaction. And it really sounds like it really aligns for you guys. And it's going to be nothing but a kind of a, you know, a rocket ride from here with, cause you got the right partner and the, and you're in it for the right reasons. So congratulations on all that. Yeah. Thanks Tyler. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're, we're very excited. Thanks for having me on the awesome, show. Man. My pleasure. Have an awesome day. 